now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. This morning, I, uh, I'm not going to preach a typical Sunday morning message. It's more of a sharing of a vision and a dream that I would just like to impart to us as a church. For us to consider and uh, pray about and see what God would want you to do in response to what you hear this morning. So it's not a regular Sunday morning message, but something that would, just a dream or a vision that I have in my heart, want to share with you, and uh, we'll see what God does in our lives in response to this. I want to talk about cities and uh, our responsibility as a church to our own city, the city of Bangalore, and to cities across our nation. What should we do in response to what's happening in cities across our nation? how we should prepare ourselves to affect these cities. Cities are unique. They present to us their own set of challenges, but they also present great opportunities to win people for Jesus Christ. It's interesting to see God's heart towards cities and the fact that the scriptures reveal to us that God is interested in cities. And there are several places that you can go to in the Bible uh, to look at God's response or God's reaction towards cities. The very beginning in Genesis chapter 11, you know, some people get together. The people at that time, they're all speaking one language. They're all speaking one language. They all got together and said, you know, look, we all speak the same language. So let's all just stay together. Let's build this really high rise tower. We look at these apartment complexes these days, but they had a bigger vision. They were going to build a high-rise star all the way to the sky, and they said, we're all going to live together in this. It's going to be nice for us. And so they began, they all got together, they began to build this thing, and the Bible says in Genesis 11, that God came to look and see what they were doing. God's like, okay, what are these guys up to? What's happening in that place? God sees their intent, and then he realizes that that's not a good thing. And so God just supernaturally causes them all to speak in tongues, you know. And it disperses them all. And that's how we get the place called Babel. And, and basically, the, the fact is God is interested in, God observes what happens in cities. What's going on there? What are the people thinking about? What are their intents? In Genesis 18, we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, the, these twin cities. And how the Bible says the wickedness in those cities was so great. That it just ascended up to God and God said, you know, I don't like what I'm seeing in those cities. I need to do something about it. 
till the point that the wickedness so-called cross God's limit. And God says, I have to bring judgment on those cities. And the only thing he does prior to that is talk to Abraham. says, Abraham, you know, I'm going to destroy this city. I'm telling you about it because you've got family there. And Abraham begins to intercede. He begins to pray for those cities. Uh, but eventually God had to destroy those cities. Another interesting story in the Bible with relation to cities is that of Jonah. So if you could turn in your Bible to the book of Jonah. Chapter 4. We'll read the very last verse in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 11. You know, God sends this prophet of God, Jonah, he sends him to Nineveh and says, go and prophesy to that city and tell them that their wickedness is so great and I'm going to judge them if they don't repent. So Jonah is all geared up. He goes to Nineveh. I mean, eventually gets there. He tries to run away from it first, but eventually gets to Nineveh and he proclaims the message and, and the people repent and God changes his mind and Jonah is upset. That God changed his mind. So God, I mean, if you were going to spare these people, why put me through all this trouble? So Jonah's really upset with God that he wants to forgive the people and, and let them go. And here's what God says. This is the very last verse of the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verse 11. God says, Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. You know, God says, look, Jonah, you've done right. I mean, you've gone and given them the message I want to give. But their response is also right. They've repented. And so I want to forgive them. I want to have pity on them. This great city. Where there are so many people who can't even tell what's right and wrong. And God says, I want to have pity on this city. So God is interested in what happens in cities. He's concerned about the wickedness of those cities. And he also wants to extend mercy to the people in cities if they will turn to him. So you and I as God's people should have a heart for our city and for the cities across our nation. When God's people in the Old Testament were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he invaded Jerusalem and destroyed it and took people, took the Jewish people captive into Babylon You know, that's when the time they wrote the psalm. They said, you know, by the rivers of Babylon, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They're complaining, God, you know, we're in a strange land. How can we sing the Lord's song? But God's response to his people is there in Jeremiah 29 and verse 7. When he says, you know, seek the peace of the city and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. Some of you think, Bangalore is my Babylon. Man, life was so nice in Timbuktu until I moved to Bangalore, you know. And uh, all the pressures, the traffic, the congestion, the smoke, the roads. And this is Babylon. How can I sing the Lord's song in this kind of city, in this kind of a land? What was God's response? I want you to pray, seek the peace of that city. Yes, it's a strange city. Yes, it may not be... Uh, comfortable for you. Yes, there'll be all kinds of difficulties there, but I want you to seek the peace of that city. I want you to pray to the Lord for that city because when that city is blessed, you will be blessed. Amen? So even though you and I, are, the, the fact is you're living in Bangalore, we are living in Bangalore, God wants us to have a heart for the city. Seek the peace of the city. Seek the well-being of the city. Seek the salvation of the city because when this city is blessed, 
we will be blessed. Amen. When you look across our nation, and this is a 2011 statistics, there are about 48, almost 50 urban regions that have more than 1 million people. So close to 50 regions around our nation, urban locations that have more than 1 million people. We have the tier 1 cities, cities like Delhi and Mumbai, we have more than 23 million people. Kolkata with close to 16 million and Bangalore crossing 8 million people, well over 8 million people in our city. And then we have about 17 major tier 2 cities like Pune and Bhubaneswar and Chandigarh and Nagpur and Bhopal. We have about 33 major tier 3 cities. Cities like Ajmer and Raipur and Udaipur, Allahabad and several others. And all of these are huge conglomerations of people. More than 1 million in one location. What an opportunity. To reach people. Now I understand that at the moment, 70% of, our popul- of India's population still live in rural areas. But the reality is, every day, there's a huge migration of people from villages to cities. Looking for jobs, looking for just a better life. And if things continue the way they do, they are, in a few decades from now, About 50% of India's population will be living in cities. So cities are important for us to consider and take very seriously. And some of these thoughts were just, you know, we've we've always had a vision for city and that's part of our vision statement from the the very beginning. But more recently when I was in Nagpur and just, some of these thoughts just began to uh, crystallize and come together. And I, I just felt that I needed to share my heart with us as a church so that we can begin to intentionally, purposefully look at our own city, how we are going to affect and impact the millions of lives in our city. There are millions around us right here. And I think it will be very, very unjust for us to desire to be this night, cute, little, happy little church. When there are millions around us who haven't experienced Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not here just to be a nice little church that has a little nice Sunday morning service every Sunday. And do a few things together, be happy with each other. And That's not the point. I understand that church is the family, but the church is also the army of God. Amen? We are an expression of God's kingdom here on earth. And we are here to affect our city for Jesus Christ. So I want us to begin to think intentionally. To think very strategically. To act purposefully in our own city. And then I want us to extend what we are doing in our own city. To all these other cities across our nation. Because there are millions of people in all those pockets waiting to be touched for Jesus Christ. Amen? So I just want to share my thoughts on these two with you this morning. And uh, it's not that I have a, you know, a perfect plan, a perfect strategy. Here's step one, step two, step three. Do not. I just sense a burden. I just believe that if we seek God, He will give us strategies 
to affect our city and the cities in our nation. So I want to just divide what I'm sharing here into two parts. First, I want to talk about a strategy, developing strategies for our own city. And then I want to talk about some thoughts, share some thoughts here on how we as a church can affect other cities in our nation. You know, when we look at our city, there are several ways we can approach affecting the city of Bangalore. But I think one very nice way, very good way, very important way for us to look at our city is by understanding what God spoke in the 1970s to three of the major Christian leaders in that time. Bill Bright of Campus Crusade, Lauren Cunningham of YVAM, and Dr. Francis Schaefer, who was a theologian. And independently, separately, God spoke to these three men, gave them a very similar understanding. Essentially, what he said was this, that if God's people would take their place in these seven spheres of society, or seven mind molders, or seven mountains in society, if God's people would take their place in these seven spheres of society, they could disciple any nation. And he listed these seven spheres. You've heard me share about this several times before. So it's not new to us. He talked about family, the mountain of family, the mountain of religion, which includes the church and all kinds of religious uh, pursuits. The mountain of education, which is schools and colleges and, and uh, academic, everything related to academics. The mountain of media, which in, includes all forms of public communication, print and electronic, newspaper, the television, the internet. Number five, the mountain of arts and entertainment. All kinds of arts, entertainment, including sports and drama and all forms of celebration that, that expresses culture. Number six, the mountain of business or economy or commerce, which includes science and technology and medicine and all other kinds of industries that involve production, sales and service. And number seven, the mountain of government, which includes our judicial and legislative system. So if God's people will take their place in these mountains, begin to be salt and light in these spheres of society, we can disciple any nation, we can disciple our own city. Amen? See, traditionally, our thinking was, well, the more godly you are, the more disconnected you are from the world. Right? To be godly, you've got to disconnect. But that's not very biblical. Because in the Bible, all of the great men of God were not necessarily... I know there were some people like John the Baptist who lived in the wilderness. But not all of them were like that. Abraham. If you went to see Abraham, you'll get a shock. Because what you're expecting to see is a man with a white shirt and a black pant and a sling bag around his sides. Or not, not even a black pant. Maybe a lungi. But you go to meet Abraham and you see this huge property that he had. And all these wealth around him. These livestock and men and women working for him. And he said, this can't be a man of God. He is the father of faith. You go to see Daniel. You don't meet him in the lion's den. He was there only one night. <laughs> but you go to see Daniel. You have to go into the presidential palace. The prophet of God. You thought you'll find him running around caves. No. He's in the president's palace. You go to meet Joseph. Sitting next to Pharaoh. The point is, we've got a wrong understanding that to be a man of God, to be a woman of God, to be godly, you've got to disconnect from the world and live in isolation in some secluded place. 
But the fact is, God wants his people in society, in arts and entertainment and media and government, in education, right there where people are being salt and light, being the men and women of God in the world. Amen? And being right there, you walk godly. Being right there, you live by kingdom culture. You live by kingdom principles. And your godliness is no different from someone else who may be in so-called full-time ministry. Amen? You've got to change your thinking. You can be a man or woman of God right there in the middle of all this stuff. So, we can look at our city and look at, all these, look at these seven spheres of society and develop strategies on how we are going to impact these areas. For now, I'm happy about some of the things that we are doing and God's given us some significant inroads into the education mountain. About six years ago, we started Catalyst. And as of October, I think we're covering about 12 schools in our city. But every week, many of you go into these schools And you're teaching scripture lessons. You're teaching the Bible to students all across several grades. You're essentially changing their mindset. You're affecting culture by changing their thinking. Exposing them to the facts of the truth of God's word. And in the process, people will be saved. Young lives will be saved. I think that's a great thing we're doing. Elevate our youth service. We're bringing in college students to Elevate. And more importantly, now what's happening is we're taking Elevate into colleges. Three colleges already have opened up. Baldwin's Women's Methodist College. We're taking Elevate in there. This Saturday, October 22nd, we'll be getting into Mother Teresa College. Pastor George Sam will be leading that Saturday morning. But it's a Hindu college. And we, many of you, are going in there holding a youth service on their premises. Amen. 29th October, we'll be getting into Reva College. Again, it's a Hindu college. Not a Christian college. They have an auditorium that can hold thousands of students. And, we, uh, and they, the principal has given us free permission to use the auditorium, use the facility. We're going to have a youth service in that college. Amen. So these are exciting things that we are doing of, of getting into the mountain of education and trying to affect culture and see lives change, brought to faith in Christ. And I, I'm excited about these things, but we need a whole lot more. And I'm excited about uh, Mrs. Indrani's sanctuary. I mean, it's a coffee shop, but you get people there who may not necessarily come and listen to a boring preacher on a Sunday morning. They may not come to church, but they come to the coffee shop. They come to sanctuary. They hang out there. And it's a great opportunity to be able to share Jesus with them. Many of them have given their hearts to Jesus. That's a great strategy to reach those young people. But listening to some of their stories, your heart can break to see years of their 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 youth being wasted on drugs and, 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 and just, just wasting their lives. But they need Jesus. Amen? So what a great strategy to have this coffee shop that they could come there and experience Jesus and, and see God transform their lives. I'm excited about our counseling center which we're just kind of putting together. And uh, the counseling center is not for you. Well, you can go if you want. But our strategy is To provide counseling services for the world, for the schools and the corporates. Because of so much oppression affecting young lives and working people. We want to have answers for them. We want to go and serve them. I mean, provide genuine, actual help to take care of their needs. And in the process, 
Give them an opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ. Amen. So I, I'm just excited about that because I see that as a great opportunity to touch lives, countless lives in our city. As that center grows and people, more people get involved, we can see more and more lives touched. And we are meeting genuine needs. Amen. But what I want to challenge each one of you is, God wants to use you in the city of Bangalore. And you can pray and ask God for strategies to affect your sphere of influence. If you will pray. Amen. I want to challenge you to do that. To say, God, you place me in this office. You place me in this sphere of society, whether it's business, education, or wherever you are. You may be in arts and entertainment. You may be in sports. You may be in media, whatever sphere of influence God has placed you, you need to see yourself as that man of God or that woman of God who's been placed there on purpose by God. Your position there is not an accident. Now what God is waiting for you to do is saying, God, give me a strategy of how I can be salt and light in this place, how I can bring about a salvation of souls, discipling of people right here. You can do it. Amen? Whether you're a college student, you're not exempt. A school student, you're not exempt. Right where you are, ask God for strategies. God, what can I do? And uh, how will these strategies come? I'm not saying that, you know, suddenly Angel Gabriel uh, appeared to you with a scroll in his hand saying, Thou most beloved of God, the Lord has heard thy prayer and here is the blueprint. It's not going to happen that way. More often than not, you're going to stumble in it as you take some risks. I can tell you lots of stories. Risks that I took, but actually ended up opening major doors. I remember as a 14-year-old, nothing much to lose in life. I went up to the pastor of the church that I was attending at that time. And I said, Pastor, I want to preach on a Sunday morning. Now, don't try it here. (laughs) But this is what I did. Now, the pastor was gracious. He said, you know, Now, what caused me to do that? I remember going to that church Sunday after Sunday. I used to go and sit in the service. I just become a believer at the age of 13. And I was all fired up. I want every person to know Jesus Christ. I would stop people on the streets. Whether they liked it or not, I'll stop them and talk to them about Jesus. And so I was going to this particular church. And I was so disturbed inside me. When I would see people come in Sunday after Sunday. Come in unsaved, go out unsaved. Come in unsaved, go out unsaved. It's like, what's going on? Somebody's got to do something about it. And one Sunday evening, we used to go to church, that church on Sunday evening. So one Sunday evening, I got up to church. I was so disturbed. I was only 14 years old. I was so disturbed at what was happening. I walked out of the service. The preacher was preaching. I don't know what he was preaching. I went to the hall next door, the parish hall next door. I started praying. And while I was praying, this strange idea came. Ask the pastor if you can preach. I mean, after all, he's not preaching the gospel. At least I might try to do it. You know? So after service, I went back to the pastor. The pastor said, Pastor, can you please give me 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening, one Sunday? I was all ready. I knew what I was going to preach. And I hadn't read my whole Bible yet. But I knew enough to preach the gospel. So he was gracious. He went and prayed. He came back. He said, okay. On this particular Sunday, I'll give you 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening. I didn't know anything beyond that. I'm just this guy who's taking risks. That's all. I don't see beyond that. All I know is 
people in this church need to hear the gospel and I'm going to preach it. So he was gracious enough to give me that. So Sunday morning, I got up, prepared, all prepared, Matthew chapter 7. You will know them by their fruits. I preached my heart out, you know, I said, just pray. I, don't, I knew I preached from Matthew 7. And I think I must have preached real hard because when I went out, I heard one older man telling the other man, that young boy preached like we are all sinners. That was the reaction to my sermon. You know. I didn't know what to say. So okay, I have one more chance. The evening. Came back Sunday evening. And Sunday evenings, the students from Baldwin Boys and Baldwin Girls School attend the evening service. So they were all there. And uh, I had come prepared because I had heard something that when you get people saved, you must also do follow-up. So I had written, you know, a, a kind of a compiled together a little manual on, on what new, new believers must know. I brought that with me, kept it aside. I was ready to fire. So I came on Sunday evening, made it to church, preached. And then I said, how many of you want to give your life to Christ? And like between 30 to 50 young boys lifted their hands up. I was shocked. I didn't know what to do. I said, okay, all of you guys, please stay back after service. And to my surprise, these 30 to 50 Baldwin boys stood back, stayed back after service to meet this international world famous evangelist. I had no clue what I was doing. This is my first time preaching in a church. I said, okay, I've got this material. I gave it all out to them. And while I was doing it, a thought ran through my mind. So you can't, you can't leave these people like this. You've got to do follow-up. I said, guys, uh, what do you do in lunch break? Now, Bowen Boys is not that far away from Bishop Cotton Boys School where I was studying. It's right here, down Hayes Road. Ten minutes. What are you doing lunch break? We have lunch, we play cricket, football. Okay. Tomorrow, I'm coming to your school during lunch break. Okay. So next day, I went to school, all excited, waiting for lunch break to come. Lunch bell rang, it gobbled up my lunch, and I ran. I ran from Bishop Cotton Boys School. See, it's good to be fit. From Bishop Cotton Boys School, nonstop, jogged all the way to the back gate of Ballroom Boys School with my New Testament in my hands. I felt like a real missionary. Running in the hot sun. Yes, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> and then went in there. And these boys were waiting. They were waiting. And now I suddenly felt like, you know, Billy Graham in a crusade. Open air crusade. You know, we had no roof over our head. These guys are standing outside. I'm preaching to them. I knew one song. Oh, how I love Jesus. So let's sing that song. Sing it. Sing it again. Oh, how I love Sing it again, you know. And I had one message. I could approach it from different directions. One message. So I just preached something, prayed with them, and uh, just started doing this from my eighth standard. You know, and just went every Sunday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, just go to the Baltimore Boys School. And then the neighboring school, cathedrals, heard that I'm doing this. Somebody approached me. Can you come to our school also? Yeah. This is the call of God. Sure. I'll come on Wednesday afternoons. So Wednesday afternoons, I had to run a little further down to cathedral school. And uh, students were waiting. And we were sitting in the open ground. They would sit on the steps of the pavilion. I would be on the ground. This was my open air crusade. Preaching. And did that for four years. Eight through twelve. The point is this. I didn't discover this strategy in some book. Some management school. I think. Just stepping out on a prompting inside you 
just opens. Just go with it and you see doors opening for you. And at the end, you're affecting lives. Till today, I have principles and people come and tell me, we remember what you were doing as a 14-year-old. The principals of Baldwin School today, they were there when I used to run in. And they were like war, they were like junior staff at those in, at that time. But today they're principals. And they remember what I did as a 14-year-old in their schools. Amen. You don't know how taking some risks, stepping out on some small things can open doors and leave some legacy behind that years later you can reap the harvest of. Amen. So the challenge to you is this. To all of us, right where God has placed you, will you ask God for some strategies? You know, we need some fresh new ways to impact our city and they're going to be birthed through you. Amen? They're going to come out through your life. Through each one of you. As you pray and say, God, show me what can I do for the city of Bangalore. And don't be afraid to step out on it. And please, don't send me the idea. I've got enough to do. You get an idea from God and you implement it. Amen? You make it happen. And in this process, I want, to just, uh, uh, I want you to consider the fact that the idea or the importance of team ministry. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 10, please. And we'll read verse 1. It says, yeah, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, 70 more people, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So he got together, you know, he had the 12 and he got together another 70 and he said, I want you to go into all these cities where, where I would like to go. I want you to go there. Go two by two. Go as a team. So what I want you to consider as you begin to pray about your sphere of influence, you say, God, give me others who are like-minded, who've got the same passion, with whom I can form a team. Maybe one other person, maybe two, three, five others. And as a team, you develop a strategy and begin to implement it and see life saved and disciple for Jesus Christ. Work as a team. Amen? Now here's the good thing. If you, with your team, begin to implement something that's really working and, and bearing fruit, what will happen? Others can replicate it. Others can begin to follow what you're doing. And soon you will birth a movement. You will birth a movement. Something that others can also do. And it's having a ripple effect. Many others begin to adapt what you're doing. And begin to do that in the same sphere of influence that they are in. You're giving birth to a movement in the body. In the church. Amen. When you step out and do it. You may not even understand. You may not even realize. That what you're about to do. It's going to actually end up being a movement. You don't know the significance of it, but go ahead and do it. Have some courage. Step out and do it. Amen? Now, you don't need me to come and do it. You do it. You get an idea from God. You step out. Get some other like-minded people and do it. So, do I need the pastor's permission? Well, if you want to tell me, you can. If you don't tell me, I will not get upset. I'll be very happy. Amen? The point is, I want to see everyone doing it. Everyone Receiving some ideas from God. What can I do in my school, in my college, in my place of work? 
wherever I am, what can I do for the kingdom of God? I've got to see my city reach. And it's got to be everyone in the church doing something to affect the city. Amen? Take some risks. Don't be worried about your reputation. After all, you have nothing much to lose. So, But you don't know I am the CEO. So what? So what if you're the CEO? We're all going to stand before the same judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what's done. Amen? At that time, our names and titles here on earth would mean nothing before God. He's going to test our works. Whether it was gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or stubble. What did you do? So don't worry about your reputation. Forget it. Step out. Take some risks. Be known for a man of God, as a woman of God in your place. Amen? Let me shift now very briefly and share with you So the title of this sermon this morning is City Transformation Teams. Teams that transform cities. Form teams. You come up with ideas. You form teams that will transform other city. When it comes to looking at cities across our nation, here's what I really want us to consider. And again, these are just ideas and dreams that I'm just sharing with you. Maybe sometime soon we'll actually make it happen. But here's what I can visualize. Or here's what I visualize. In order to affect cities across our nation, many of these cities, I'm talking especially cities across North India, many of these cities already have churches. Many of them have traditional churches like the CNI and others who've got huge property in the heart of the city. But yet, there are so many people in the city who are yet to be reached. And it's typical that in many places, the churches are unable to reach the middle class and the upper middle class, the the influencers of the city. They're just not equipped to do that. For example, our own church in Nagpur, Pastor John, he's a good guy, he's doing a good work. But he may never be able to reach the the middle class and the upper middle class, the, the influencers, the decision makers. He is serving another segment of society and he's doing a good work. So here's what I visualize. Tell a neighbor, be ready. I visualize church planting teams going out from our church here in Bangalore to cities all across our nation. When I say church planting teams, it means you. Like church planting teams, it means you and me, us, going out to other cities in our nation to raise up churches, the kind of churches that will be able to penetrate these seven spheres of society. Churches that will have strategies from God to affect the influencers, the decision makers in those cities. Here's what I visualize. First of all, as we develop strategies in our own city, things like the Catalyst, things like Elevate, the Youth Service, other things that we see people doing in our city which are working. As we see these strategies, and we need a whole lot more, to affect the different spheres of our society in, in the city itself. As we develop these strategies, and we've taken a long time to arrive at some of these things. Ten years. Tried this, tried that, made our mistakes. And then we've arrived at some of these things that actually work. What I want to see is us taking these strategies and in a matter of months, implementing it in other cities. We don't need to take ten years. If we go to a city like Ajmer, or Bhopal, or whatever. We don't need to take 10 years to come up with a strategy there. 
We've tried it out here in the city of Bangalore. We know what works in the city. We know what will give us inroads into the schools, into colleges, into corporates, into our government, into media, into arts and entertainment. Once we arrive at these strategies, we can take those very strategies at work, take people who know how to make it happen, send them to the city and implement it very quickly and raise up a strong church that begins to impact the city. Amen? So, what are these church planning teams? There are teams, people from our church, who on purpose, deliberately are willing, and we'll have two kinds of church planning teams, the resident people and the visiting people. The resident people are people who on purpose will decide to relocate strategically to another city in our country. Many of these tier 3 and tier 2 cities, the employment rate is increasing. And some of you who are working in large corporations, your organization may already have an establishment in those cities. So all you need to do is to transfer. You're doing the same work, but from a different location in the same organization. Ask for it on purpose. Be deliberate about it. And you say, God, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to be part of a church planting team in some other city. Say, Pastor, I'm in a tier one city. And you're telling me to downgrade? Listen, don't look at it as a downgrade. In the kingdom of God, when you take a step down, you're actually taking a step up. Amen? Look at Christian history. If we did not have William Carey leave England and come all the way to Kolkata, if you didn't have a man like Hudson Taylor, if you didn't have a man like David Livingston, if you didn't have men and women like these who would leave their own comforts, go to far off places, cross land and sea for the sake of the gospel, many of us would not be sitting here today. It's because they were willing to do it when their turn came. Today, nations have been affected. The question is, it's our turn today. Amen. Think about Ida Scudder. She could have stayed back in the US and, and been a doctor there. But she downgraded herself several levels. Came to a little village called Vellore. Wanting to serve women over there. At that time, I'm sure she never thought beyond that. I don't think she thought that one day, out of her work would come such a large medical institution called the Christian Medical College where more than 5,000 people are treated every day. Outpatient, 5,000. It's such a huge medical hospital. How did it begin? One lady downgraded herself, came to serve people in a little village today. If she is able to look from the grandstands of heaven and look at that little village called Wellor, she'll be amazed to see what has come out of what she started. Amen. I wonder if we have men and women with such heart and such passion saying, God, I'm willing to go to one of our cities in our nation. I'm willing to relocate. I know it's going to upset me several ways, but I'm willing to do it because I want to see a church in that city that will affect that city. Amen. Say, Pastor, what if all of us go? If people go, I'm sure God will send more people and we'll send them too. Amen? Some of you, God will give you strategies for our city. Some of you, 
God will speak to you and say, can you move for my sake and for the sake of the kingdom to some other city in India? Amen. Some of you are wondering, I wish I didn't come to church today. <laughs> At least I can say I didn't hear that message. No, I'm serious. Cities are important to God. Next month, we'll talk about our missions uh, plan and strategy and how we're going to get into the rural parts of India. But I believe cities are also important, very important to God. And we must begin to think about our cities. Amen. Take what God has enabled us to develop in our city. Get into some other city. Send a church planning team that will relocate and become resident in that city. We will have visiting church planting teams who will come there, help, serve, and come back to Bangalore. You can be a part of either, depending on how God speaks to you. But we must do it. Amen? Say, Pastor, this is a crazy, crazy, crazy vision. I mean, have you, have you assessed it? Have you prayed over it? Have you done all that? No, no, nothing. Sometimes you need to be a little crazy. Yeah? What did Steve Jobs say? He said, be hungry, be foolish. We need to be some, be foolish for the kingdom. Be foolish. Get out there, do something for the kingdom of God. Let's go to Acts 13 chapter. We close with this. Acts 13, verses 1 to 4. Now in the church that was at Bangalore, all people's church, there were certain young men named uh, Glenn, Abel, <laughs> Nikki, Christina, young ladies, Christina, Vinny, who had been brought up at all people's church for a long time. As they ministered to the Lord in the worship team and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me, Glenn and Abel, for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent away by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Bhopal. And from there they went to Ajmer. The point is this. You see the Holy Spirit. The church in Antioch was just a young church. Saul and Barnabas were the key leaders. The church had been ministering there for a year and a half. They raised up other leaders. And suddenly one day they were worshipping God. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to send these two people out. I've got to work for them somewhere else. Amen. And we want to invite the Holy Spirit to do the same thing for you and me. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Give us strategies to affect our city. And then call some of us, whoever you want, to go to other places in our other cities in our nation so that their churches can be birthed that will affect that part of our nation. Amen. And when the Holy Spirit says it, he'll help you to it. Don't have to be afraid. But we need in our day, in our time, some modern William Careys and Hudson Taylors and David Livingstons and Ida Scudders. We need some modern men and women like that who in our day, in our time, will rise up and say, yes, God, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to make a difference in the cities of our nation. Amen. It's a dangerous thing to pray. 
prayers that make yourself available. Because when you say, God, here I am, send me. He will take that up. He'll send you. He'll send me. This morning, I want you to pray prayers that you've prayed before. I want you to dare to pray some courageous prayers, some radical prayers, and say, God, give me strategies that will affect where I can affect my city, God, where I can affect where I am right now. If you're in school, say, God, give me some strategies that can affect my school. If you're in college, Lord, give me some strategies where I can affect my college. And, and then God may prompt you to do some crazy things like go and talk to your lecturer or school teacher or, or start something in, on campus. Or, he may move you to do those kinds of things. And do it. Take some risks. Would you pray and say, God, give me some strategies. Give me some ideas. Do be salt and light where you place me, God. And then listen to Him. Connect with like-minded people and implement those strategies and see souls being saved and discipled for Jesus Christ. We also want to pray this morning and say, God, we are available for the cities in our nation. Millions of people living there who need Jesus Christ. God, we are available. As God speaks to you, begin to prepare. When we were getting ready to move from Chicago to Bangalore, we took about a year. We gave ourselves a year to prepare ourselves to make that move. But we did that intentionally to come here and serve God. You can do that. As you pray and God begins to pinpoint a particular city, prepare yourself, begin to get information, get yourself ready. Work out things concerning your job and whatever. And then we as a team can go in there, establish and raise up churches that will really, really, really impact that city. Get souls saved and disciples. This morning I want you to pray some radical prayers. I want you to pray prayers that you've probably never prayed before. Say, God, I'm available. God, you must use me. God, you must do something through me right in the city of Bangalore. And if you want to want me to go somewhere else, I'm available. But God, as long as I'm here in Bangalore, you must use me, God. Pray those kinds of prayers this morning. Come on, let's talk. Let's all pray. Just make yourself available to God. Ask Him for strategies. Ask Him for ideas. How you can serve the Lord. Father, we just pray that you will release the stirring in our hearts and the grace upon our lives to truly be salt and light in our city, God. Father, I pray that you will release great ideas, strategies, fresh and new ways of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Release them, Lord, into our hearts. Give us the courage to step out and do those things. To see our own city affected with the gospel. And Father, we pray you will stir on the hearts of people concerning other cities in our nation. 
to set things up for us, open up doors, not just in our paths, into those cities. So God, we could be in areas where there's such need and, and make a difference, oh God. We submit this vision, we submit this dream, and we only pray that God one day it'll not just be a dream, but we as a church will be walking in it and doing it, oh God. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.